Welcome in to another edition of Cattails Podcast, the Weaver State Athletic Podcast with Athletic Director Jerry Bowie. I'm Paul Grua. Jerry, we are at the D Event Center in the office of Coach Randy Ray. Coach, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited this to have you. This is on the podcast. Yeah. This is an honor. Oh, boy. I don't know what it takes to get on this well, thing, but You're like man. that second visitor to Jimmy Fallon. It, you're supposed to be funny. Come back for the second time. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. So that's... The pressure's on. Yeah. So yeah, one of my you. things I love doing is coming over and just chatting with you, and I guess that's what we're going to do today, right? We're just going to yeah, chat. Absolutely. Chat about this last season and looking forward to uh, the future here at Weber State. So you mentioned this was your most frustrating season in the 13 years you've been here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why would yeah. you say that? I, well, it, easily for me to, uh, it's easy for me to figure out, but the most frustrating thing about our team this year was that we just didn't have a great connection amongst the team on the court. Off the court, the guys really liked each other, they got along, but we just had a, like I said, a disconnection. It wasn't a together. We didn't have guys with the same mindset. And I don't know if I should probably put that out there, but I won't say. But when you have guys that you're counting on that don't have the same mindset as other guys you're counting on, then there's a disconnect. And that was the frustrating thing about it. And the other frustrating thing about it was early in the conference season, we were fairly connected and we saw what we could be. And then, but as the, as the season goes on, and then we had, we had some guys with some injuries, we missed some games, we got out of rhythm a little bit. And then when we got back everybody together, as the season goes on, the connection and the togetherness has to be it has to be really uh, what's the word I'm looking for but has to be at an all-time high because as the season goes on and you get to the grind and guys get fatigued and there's a few injuries here and there if you disconnect like we did and then it, it just you, you don't play well yeah so I think managing a basketball team would be much like managing a business or any other entity where you're try- we talk about culture a lot here, and I think some people don't understand what that means when we talk about it, what yeah. it means to have culture. And I th- the way I describe it to people, I met with a, a, a potential coach in our program in another one of our sports yesterday, and we talked about culture. You, you talk about it with your team. We talk about it as a department. The university talks about it. It's, it's the fanatical way that you approach protecting the profile of the athlete or coach or the staff member that you bring in here that would be much like any other business mm-hmm. but once you made a choice to bring them now your job is either fire them mm-hmm. or I'm talking as a business now right. but, it, but it translates either fire them or deep dive into helping them be the best they can be and put them in positions to be successful so how does that translate to basketball because I think it's the same connection we have people that are fans that might be frustrated mm-hmm. and they're excited when we win and they're frustrated when you lose, but they're doing the same thing on a daily basis yeah. they're in management. It's very similar. It's what you said is let's, you, you bring in a, a, a player or whatever and it's not quite what you thought he would be, maybe mindset-wise. You know, what we've, and the thing that was really frustrating is this is the first time in my 13 years that I've dealt with a, like a disconnected mm-hmm. team. We've always made a living around here of being tough, competitive, uh, together, unselfish team, and that's why we've had some success. But uh, but sometimes you get the guy that's not quite the right fit. So you do two things, you know, you either eliminate it or you work with it to try to improve it. And we always try to take the high road, and we made decisions to bring guys in here, and we're going to do everything in our power uh, to try to help them become the kind of guy that Weber State usually has. And, and that's, sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes uh, the DNA is so deep that you can't get something out of it. And that, it's frustrating to me as a coach when uh, I don't, I can't get to a kid, I can't get to a kid the right way to maybe bring the best out of him consistently. So on the sideline you're managing, rather than looking at the basketball side of it and just dealing with that, you have to manage that first because there's a word grinding on getting exactly in. and then the basketball part has to take a second because if you can't get that right right all the coaching x's and o's strategy in the world doesn't 
doesn't compute. Exactly. That's exactly right. You don't, actually, those don't matter if you don't have your culture where you want your culture to be. And that's why every summer when we bring our kids in here and we work with them for six weeks, we establish our culture of who we are. Uh, the, the togetherness, the relationships, the trust, how hard we play, the competitiveness we're going to play with on a daily basis. And I'll be honest with you, last summer when we had our team together, I was concerned about it because I didn't feel like maybe everybody was made of that stuff. So it was a concern going in, but as the head coach and as our staff, it's our obligation to do everything in our power to get maybe whoever it is to try to get them as close to that as we can. But this year, like, like I've said many times, I didn't feel like I got to coach as much as I wanted to coach because we were doing a lot of psychotherapy or whatever you want to call it, psychiatrist work, just to try to get the mindsets together and on the same page for the next game. Yeah, because in the real world, you can fight. You ultimately, the CEO can fire. Yeah, yeah. In, in our world, that's the last resort. I mean, we have APR. We have different rules to live by, but just by the nature of being an educational entity, you know, there's a there's a different way here. And that part, I guess, is frustrating when we, we do have that mission of education. So we we try to meet that, but you're trying to bridge that with success on a basketball floor, and sometimes those two get real confusing. They do, and that, that, like you said, that's a last resort. You just don't want to pull the plug. But it's my responsibility because I'm the one that brought these kids here. I brought them here. And sometimes you don't always get the right ones. You can't always, you don't always know what you got until you get them in a competitive situation. And so uh, I made the decision to bring you know, our guys in here. And for the most part throughout the years, we've always had the right guys. And, but when you do that, I, I, I've got a strong sense of responsibility to those kids, no matter who they are, to give them everything I got to try to get them on the right path uh, that will fit and give us, help us have success. And so uh, I feel strong responsibility if I bring a certain kid in here and it's not quite the right fit. Uh, my deal is to try to change them, try to get them as close as we can. And sometimes it just doesn't mesh. And, you know, I said this the other day that, uh, you know, if you do it long enough, uh, you're going to have a year or two where it doesn't go the way you want it to go. So then what's your response? My response is, I can't wait to get it fixed. I cannot wait. And, I, and that's, where I'm my, that's where I'm at right now. I'm so excited to get back going again. Um, but you're going to have a year or two like that when it doesn't work out perfectly. So uh, you can either wallow in it. Yeah. Or you can, my old phrase is, get busy living or get busy dying. And I can't wait to get busy living. Yep, that's yeah, so we, how do you spend that first few days ha after? Because, what was it like? When you get back from Boise, what was that like? The normal can about it and be upset about it. And can yeah. go on a message board or send an email. But <laughs> we don't have those luxuries, you know. That's how they vent, and obviously yeah. we're yeah. out in the public. So how do you, how's that process of getting to where you are today, where we're looking at a board of all the strategy of the next five years and recruits and all that stuff that you're looking at every day it's right here in your view in this office yeah what do you how, how do you get to that where we are today from the end from our last game it's a wide range of emotions immediately after uh you feel sorry for yourself you feel bad you pout around like a little baby uh and which i did and you know you give yourself a couple days to you got to and then you got a vent, which you're the, you're my venti. I get to vent to yeah. you, right? Yeah, I, I get it. to vent to Paul. I get to vent to certain guys that yeah. I really, really trust. My wife, and she gets tired of hearing. They hear it. a lot from us, don't they? <laughs> they do, they do. And I vent, and then it just, you know, this year was about day. I think it was uh, Sunday. We got back Friday or Saturday. Monday sense. morning, I came into the office, and then excuse my language, but then I was pissed. So I go from. Little the pouty. Five stages of morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And now I'm now I'm pissed. Yeah, we're getting, and now I'm like, all right, we're gonna fix this and we're gonna get this thing back going. And I know what we got to do. And we sat down as a staff immediately on Monday, and we did a huge self evaluation of everything in our program, from recruiting, making sure we have the right guys, uh, X's and O's. We're gonna we're gonna tweak our system again offensively this year. Um, 
We're going to tweak a couple things defensively. Um, everything. Uh, I ordered books for our staff to read. I'm a big book reader in the offseason. I love to read motivational stuff. Uh, ordering books for the players. Ordering books for the – and then just trying to just re-energize and reboot the whole system and the whole program. And that's when I got excited. And we spent basically a week and a half just sitting down and trying to reevaluate everything. And then that got me excited and, and back again. And, and not that we have to totally reinvent ourselves, but we're going to reinvent part of ourselves and part of our program. And that part's now got me incredibly excited. I wish I could start practice tomorrow. That's great. Sometimes it's getting back to, so I don't think, and I, I think everyone deals, could deal with this in their own line of work, but when you find that recipe for success, um, if you're not meticulously careful to stay with it, it's, mm -hmm. it's not that hard to get off one degree. And one little degree over the course of a full season yep. ends up, you know, in this case, this year we finished fourth in the league, which most, you know, most teams that don't finish high might be mm -hmm. happy with that. But, but one degree off of, of taking our eye off the ball or, or just one little reset or one little thing, that's why the offseason we kind of reset all that. One little degree off of who you are mm -hmm. can end up being a lot by Ex the end of a season. Exactly. And I, uh, we did that, and I told my coaches to do that as well. We, I did so much. Anytime something doesn't go right in our program, I'm the guy that I put the blame on me, which it should be. It stops with me, and I'm responsible for it, and I'm really, really hard on myself, really hard on myself. So I look back and say, okay, this season, did I coach any differently? Did I not hold guys accountable enough? Did I not communicate well enough with them? Because that's part of our culture is communication, relationships, trust. Did that slip a little bit? And after looking back on it, maybe it did because I was worried a little bit more about maybe a couple guys than I was the rest of the guys. And so I look back and think maybe I didn't do justice to the whole team because I was more concerned about this one or that one more because they needed more attention. And, and so I did that self-evaluation extremely, extremely hard. And uh, uh, it's, it's painful to do that, but I came to a realization that we weren't that far off of what we normally do. Um, but I do think that overall in our communication with the players throughout the year, I think some needed more, and I gave them more, and maybe not enough to some of the other guys that probably could have used it. So just a little bit, like you say, one degree can eventually lead to a big degree if you don't put your foot down and figure out what it is. And that's, that's where we're at right now, and I, I feel strongly that uh, the little things that we might have done differently uh, than we had in the past that they're getting fixed and they are fixed and it's going to be fixed and that's why I'm excited to move on. As we look back, and we're going to look forward again, of course, uh, look back on a couple things. Before the year started, you talked about changing your offense, which you did. Mm -hmm. So we're going to ask you about that. And then some of the, some of the bright spots that happened during the year. Uh, you started off well in the Bahamas, uh, got the win over BYU, and there were some bright spots for sure. Mm -hmm. How do you feel the offense changed? Uh, like you, did it change like you wanted it to? You know, we did. We, uh, we wanted to play faster. Mm -hmm. We were more athletic. We wanted to push it on makes. And if you look at our, you know, the final stats, you know, we averaged 80 points a game in league. Uh, I think our offensive efficiency was in the top two or three. Um, and so from that standpoint of scoring more points, it was good. Um, but now what we've come to realize, now we need more of a balance between – how fast we're going to play, and running more set offense, okay, which is what we're going to get to back next year. So we're going to make that tweak. But overall, I thought, especially early, but as you get into conference play, uh, which I was a little bit concerned about, teams take away some of your strengths, so you got to have something to fall back on, right? And we did have set offense this year, but maybe not quite as much as we wanted to. And uh, But overall, you know, we averaged 80, 80 points a game. Um, our efficiency was overall pretty good. You know, we've normally been at the top of our league in offensive efficiency. This year we slipped to third, so maybe we have to. We are going to tweak that a little bit. Um, defensively, we uh, we have to tweak that a little bit more. We have to cause more turnovers than we have. We've got to get a little bit more aggressive and uh, and force more turnovers. Uh, even though defensively, in, in some of the stats at the final uh, uh, after the season was over, we were. I think we led the league in field goal percentage defense. Uh, we led the league in three-point field goal percentage defense, but our rebounding took a major hit. 
and uh, and we just didn't cause enough turnovers. And so you're relying on getting stops uh, every time down rather than getting the you know getting to miss shots rather than getting to give you the ball <laughs> a little bit more. So so offensively we are gonna we are gonna uh, make another tweak and we're gonna run more set offense uh, when a team scores on us than we did last year and and then you know put guys in a little bit better position maybe. You had uh, four freshmen that played. Uh, quite a bit last last year. You also had Cody John back, uh, who had missed a season, and of course, Jared Harding had a, another great season. So, uh, you've got to be excited for the personnel coming back, of course, as well. Yeah, no, yeah. I am. I am. I'm really excited. That's one of the, one of the reasons I'm excited to get back going mm-hmm. again. Uh, I think we're going to have, you know, with Cody and Jared as seniors now. Uh, those are tough, competitive kids, and and they want to win, and they're made of the right stuff. Uh, we were able to get some of these younger kids. Uh, quite a bit of playing time, some more than others, but enough where now they're going to make a huge jump from their freshman to sophomore year. And that's usually where you see the biggest jump in kids. And so I'm excited about that personnel. Uh, Michael Kozak has already made a a, a big jump. We're going to put more on his plate. He's a junior now. Um, And he's he's looked really good this spring so far. Um, But then you look at the other kids with – uh, you know, Israel got to play 24 minutes a game in league, and I think Caleb got 22 minutes a game in league. They're going to become better because of that. Dima Zador, who's got a really bright future, um, didn't probably get as much as I wanted him to, um, but he played enough where he tasted it. So he's putting on weight right now. He's already put on eight pounds in the, in the, the spring. He's got to get up to about 220, so he's got about 10 more to go. Uh, Donnie didn't play quite as much. He had moments. But uh, he's a, he is a tough, hard-nosed kid, and he's going to get stronger. He's already put on five to six pounds. One of the things that we fought with was our physicality, and we had some younger bodies, so we have to put weight on and strength on. And once we do that, our defensive physicality is going to go up. And then your confidence goes up when you get stronger. Um, but I'm also really excited about Tim Fuller, uh, mm-hmm. who redshirted. You know, he's a return missionary. You know, he's going to be a 22-year-old freshman. and. He's 6'9", he's 235, and he's he's absolutely relentless, and he is as tough, you know, he's as tough as they get. You got to see him in practice every day and hurt. Yeah. And guys, he 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 holds the line. Yeah. He? I mean, having him also to box people out and rebound, I think it's going to be a big plus for the program. He is, and his winning intangibles are huge. I mean, he's just fearless. He's absolutely fearless, and we saw in practice where – you know, a lot of our guys were coming up to me and my coaches, you know, in December and saying, what are we doing? He needs to be playing right now and, and by that time. But uh, but I'm glad now yeah. that we did redshirt him because he's got four really good years and uh, he's going to be a really good player for us. And, and like I said, the thing that he's really going to add other than his physicality and he's going to be able to score at the block, all those kind of – and rebound. He's got terrific hands. Um, is the winning intangibles, the toughness every day that he brings to your team. And that's going to be really big for us. So we talked before we started. You've been here 13 years. You're the Big Sky all-time leading leader in wins. Weber State all-time leader, of course, too. So after 13 years, how do you keep this going? How do you reinvent yourself? You talked about you want to do that. How, how are you going to do that? Well, I think, you, I think you're always looking to do that. Jerry and I have talked a lot about uh, what's the word we use that you use when you want to try to change stuff in your program. Um, reinvent, I guess, is part of it, but keep growing. You just stay fresh. Um, yeah. You know, it goes along the lines of Randy and I have talked about this a lot. Uh, this week's the Final Four, and it's the, the big coaches' convention. You're going to stay home because you are laser-focused mm-hmm. on what you want to do here, but you're friends with Mark Few. You're friends with Coach, pa- Coach Painter at Purdue and others around the country. And, and I guess... The, the crux of, of Paul's question really goes to how how do you maintain that level of success at a high level and how do you continue to reinvent yourself because sometimes when we get into this this is the way we are yeah it, it, you know if you take your eye off any of the balls then one's going to drop and, and you hang around these guys that that maintain a high level of success but also go through resets right as you right. talk to these guys and and you know, success is hard. It's not. It, it's it's intentional. Mm-hmm. So what? Yeah, it goes towards Paul's question. But how do you continue to to look at this? I mean, offenses and defense are what they are. But as you talk to these guys, right. what do you learn from? Well, I do, those? and I, and like I said, I, you know, I talked to Matt Painter. I talked to some of these guys around the country that have been, you know, in their 
current program for 14, 20 years, whatever it is. And the one thing they constantly say is, no matter what you do, don't ever forget who you are. You got to be who you are. And, but you also got to make sure that you are keeping it fresh within your, your program by uh, playing to your personnel. So you might have to reinvent a little bit, change your system now and then. That's always refreshing to your players, to your program. It's refreshing to you because now you've got to learn more about changing something. And so it keeps me fresh because I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly reading books. I'm constantly talking to people, uh, picking their brains about, okay, we want to play this way. So I asked somebody that does play that way that maybe had to change, what do you do? And to me, it's invigorating. It's really invigorating because I'm, I, I'll just, I am totally addicted to winning. I am probably as bad a loser as there is in this country. I'll, I'll, I'll attest to that. And, and sometimes it's not a healthy thing, but I just, I'm well, addicted. Well, it's more healthy than being a, a good loser. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if I was, if I was yeah. a good loser, right? But, but I'm so addicted to success and wanting more and more and more. My wife says it's a good thing and it's going to be a bad thing because you're totally what's the word, overwhelmed with it all, all the time, constantly thinking about what we can do to get better. And, uh, and so when you have that, for me personally, that addiction to success, and if you have success, you want more, and you want to go farther with it, um, to me, that's what drives me every year. I just, I want more and more and more. So it's about players to, as well. I mean, mm -hmm. that obviously, um, all of the intangibles are there, I, that they are. Um, it's about players, and so people will always ask, how do you assess talent? What's the magic sauce in figuring out what kind of kid you're looking for? We talk about toughness a lot, but you're going worldwide now. We're going into other places we haven't recruited a lot. But when you're watching a player, what is it that you see? Big man, little guy, mid-range, mid what, what is it that you see that you think translates to, to being, being with you? That's a big part of it. Exactly. you got to get the guys that fit who you are. And uh, it's very simple in that we look for character, number one. We look for toughness, competitiveness, and passion for the game. Guys that want to be great. And then on top of that, you gotta, you're going to come here and you're going to play for your teammates. You're going to be unselfish. So we, we, we will sacrifice talent for those, I guess, intangibles every single day. And we'll take less talented guys that have the high character, the passion, the toughness, the competitiveness, and selfishness, because that's who we are, okay? And so we look for that first, and then we get as much talent that goes with that as you can get. And when you get 13 of the kids that have the same mindset as that, the, those intangibles we just talked about, you don't have to always be the most talented team. You're going to win at a high level, and that's what we've always tried to do. And it drives my assistants crazy because we'll be out in the summertime in July and they'll be sending me to watch kids and do this, watch, check this kid out. And the minute I see something that doesn't look like a winning intangible, a kid comes out of the game and he puts his head down and won't slap high fives with his teammates, well, you're off the list because that's a losing player. Uh, you make a turnover on the floor or on the floor somehow and you put your head down and pout about it, well, you're off. If you won't make a tough play or dive on a loose ball, well, you're off the list. And so before long, my assistants are like, Coach, we don't have enough guys to recruit because we're so particular about those areas. Would you and say we, you're, a, on that note, would you say you're a patient or an impatient coach? Impatient. Yeah. And, yeah. and so you have to surround yourself with coaches. I knew the answer to that. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> so sure. So there'll be times where you'll see a kid and you go, I don't know if he can play here early. And then sometimes they can't and sometimes they do. But you're so set on what I got to see that it drives, it drives on a daily basis this roller coaster that no question. that's Randy Ray. No question. I just got to have the guys. We're all about blue collar guys. You know, I'm a blue collar guy. I grew up on a farm. You know, just had to fight for everything that you get. You know, and I want guys that want that are like that. I want blue collar guys that are tough and competitive and passionate, and guys that want to get better. Because I got, I've, I've got a great thirst for always getting better. I always want to get better. I never think I'm doing good enough. I've got to get better. So I want players that fit that. And guys that have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder as well, you know, out to prove something. And so when I can get those kind of, that's what fits me. And sometimes it's not always going to be perfect, you know. Some guys, you got to mold a little bit more. you got to form a little bit more. 
But I always thought if your if your older guys have that, then your younger guys that come into your program, and they see what the older guys are about, they start to develop that, and that's what we've always done. That's why, you know, our older guys have always been a certain way, and they've led the younger guys. And even if they aren't the toughest, most competitive, most passionate, if they have some of it, they get more of it because they see how it's done at Weber State. And so it just keeps going, you know, your older guys take over your program, take ownership. And, but you gotta have, you gotta have the right guys that, that fit. And that's why we're really, really particular about the guys we've taken. And, and I'll be honest, throughout the 13 years, uh, we've, we've hit on a lot more guys than we've missed on. And, uh, uh, but sometimes it's not a perfect world and sometimes you're just gonna miss. But, how, how different are you of a coach from 13 years ago? I don't know that I'm that much different in that the energy and the intensity that I come to work with every day and that I coach with every day, that's, that's never wavered, and sometimes maybe it's even gone a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I would say this, maybe I, do get, I'm, I might be a little more impatient than I was when I first started. Um, and sometimes that can be a good thing, sometimes that can be a bad thing. You know, we'll watch, we'll watch guys early in our program, uh, he's not good enough, you know, we gotta, He's a, we got to get better than that. And then, you know, six months later, he's a heck of a player for us. So I got to back off on that a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I do think I'm a better coach now because I think I've learned a lot throughout the years, you know, especially when you have a year like we didn't feel like this year was good enough. Um, I'm going to be a lot better coach now today than I was before the season because it's going to force me to get better in some areas yeah. and reevaluate yeah. everything. And, and that's a good challenge of it. But, uh, but overall, I don't, I don't think I've changed from, at all from the energy and the intensity and holding kids accountable, developing a culture, all those kind of things. Uh, the coaching fraternity is an interesting one, isn't it? And so you call a lot of coaches to talk about the things that are on your mind, but I don't think most people realize how many call you. Mm -hmm. So when, and we don't have to get into those names because that's kind of funny for that, that's a private little thing. But mm -hmm. when they're calling you, what are coach? What are the majority of coaches that are calling you asking for advice for? How to try to keep it, keep your program at a higher level, uh, high level. You know, I think people look at us and thought, you know, we've been playing at a pretty high level consistently, and that's one of the things that we that we get the most is how do you keep it going? You know, now I know this year was a little bit different, but up until this point, it's been. You know, we played at a high, winning the league. You always had a shot down the stretch to win the league. We've always been playing, we're always playing near the top. And that's the question I get most is, what do you do to maintain that? And how do you maintain that? Because you see a lot of programs are good for a couple of years. They take a major hit where they drop to the bottom and they have to build it back up again. And so that's the biggest thing. And why is that? What, what is the biggest thing? And I've always told them this is, get the right guys that fit you. You know, we don't have to get the best guys. We got to get the right guys. And don't, you know, some guys, if they have a tough year, they change their whole recruiting model. Well, we got to get more of this or more of that. And then you take a chance on kids that don't fit you. And so I think staying consistent on knowing who you are and the kind of guys that you got to have in your program to maintain that, that level of consistency is the biggest thing. And then we get a lot of uh, our system, you know, how we play offensively a lot. Um, we've always been a pretty high the efficient defense, the, uh, efficiency. And that's the other thing. We uh, a few years ago we changed our defensive model to we are now a no three team. We're not going to give up threes, and we've been in the top five in the country, I think, as far as allowing threes, how many threes uh, made three pointers we give up, and so we get a lot of questions about that. What do you guys do? You know, we go, we don't give up threes, we don't give up middle, we don't give up layups. We're going to give up tough twos. And they want to know how we teach that. How do you get that across to your guys? And so that's probably, other than offensive stuff, that's probably the second thing that we get the most, other than you know recruiting and, and trying to keep it at the same at that level with the, with the right guys. So yeah, it's and then we get a lot on uh, we get a lot on culture. I get a lot of in fact. I took a couple calls uh, earlier this week from a couple buddies about they're worried about their culture and. They want to talk about what we do as far as our culture because I think that's the thing you got to have to stay consistent. Recruit to your culture, live your culture every day, breathe your culture, get your kids to live it and breathe it and embrace it every day, and that's when you can overcome adversity. Um, you know, I thought last year's team, not this, not this last year's, but the year before, uh, we had some injuries. Cody John went down for the year. Jordan Dallas, who had made incredible progress 
was going to be a really good player. He goes down for the year. And all of a sudden, we're looking at having about six to seven guys, and we're playing Dusty Baker at the four. And even though we didn't win the league with a week and a half to go, we had a chance to win the league. And, and that was based on culture. Uh, our culture allowed us to get through that adversity. And sometimes describing what your culture is like trying to describe what air looks like. Yeah, it's, it, it is. Because yeah. you know it when you see it, but it, you focus on it every day and how you communicate and how you... It's, it's all of those things, those intangibles every day that are relentlessly applied that end up forming culture. It is, and we've talked, you, we talked about it because, Jerry, you, you've done an incredible job with the culture of Weaver State since you've been here developing what that is and bringing everybody together and buying in and all that kind of stuff, and that's what we do here is we just say, who, who do we want to be? When people look at us from the outside looking in our program, what do they see? And I want them to see high-character kids. I want them to see tough, tough, competitive, relentless, passionate players that play for each other. That's what I want to see. And that's the kind of guys we recruit to the program. And, and when you have that, and that, that culture is strong, you can overcome a guy, you know, an injury or two or whatever happens. Uh, because you just, and, and the culture is about winning. When you have that, then all of a sudden you expect to win no matter what the situation is. Injuries, no injuries, whatever happens. You have that, then you, the guys just expect, okay, a couple guys go down, next guy up, let's go win. And you never, you never have an excuse for it. It's just, hey, we're going to win. It doesn't matter what the deal is, we're going to win. And that culture establishes that. And, but you can't ever, you know, culture is like a fruit tree. You know, if you're constantly, the, the culture of your program is the roots of that tree. If you're constantly picking the fruit, the fruit without watering the roots every day, eventually the fruit's going to dry up. You're not going to have any more good fruit, right? So we constantly have to water those roots, water those roots, and just make sure the roots are strong and the culture remains strong. You'll always have good fruit every single year. And you give yourself a chance every year? Every chance. Every so I'm year. curious. Uh... What do you hear during a game? What do you what do you like during a game? Put us into your mind for a minute. I mean, do you hear fans yelling things? Do you hear no. announcers? Do you hear Waldo? Do you hear fans say stand up when we're on the road? Stuff like that to you? I mean, what do you hear? I'll be honest with you. I don't hear hardly anything. I really don't. If there's a timeout or something, yeah. then you might hear something, but it doesn't register right. with me. Um, so I, I'll be honest with you. I don't hear you're just so focused on on, the, on, the, on what you're on, doing, on what the, yeah. what's going on yeah. with the game, and I'm not smart enough to be able to coach my guys and be in tune with what's going on there and to listen to somebody else. But I really don't. In fact, you know, people will ask me, "God, did you hear somebody yell this?" And I say, "No." Did you see this going? No, I didn't see anything. Well, how could you miss that? I don't know. I just, I just don't. Yeah. It's and so, what is it exactly that you're watching on the on the floor? I mean, are they? Are you, Certain things that you look, pay more attention to? I always look for a, the effort, you know, making sure that our guys are giving the ultimate effort, you know, and that's what I worry But But if you're watching defense, you're yeah. watching everything. I'm watching the whole thing. There's so much to take in, though, at times, It right? is, yeah. yeah. But you train yourself if you do it long enough. Like, you can see the whole court, and you see, okay, this guy's not in help side. This guy's guarding the ball. Uh, the ball screen defense, okay, that's happening. Where are the other guys off the ball? Are they supposed to be there? And you kind of train your mind to see the whole thing. So you see this, and then you see that. And so you watch every aspect of it. And when you're executing offense, you're not just watching the ball. You're watching where this guy's supposed to be as well. Yeah. So you're able to see a wide scope and still kind of hone in on certain things. So as the game's going, and maybe it's not going like you, you had it planned, how do you adjust? Time out. Timeouts, you stop. You, yeah. you start Time with out. your team. What, what is that little? What, what are those adjustments like? Out there sound like sometimes. Well, sometimes it's G-rated. the heat of the battle. <laughs> <laughs> the heat of the battle. When we do, when we meet as a staff, when we go out on the floor, you know what I want from. I want one thing offensively. I want one thing defensively, and then I want to know from everybody: Is everybody playing? You know, with the same effort. Do we need to get somebody out? Uh, and so, in, as quick as you can, you just you get a quick update from everybody and sometimes it's a little combative and yeah. there's a little bit of conflict I think conflict is good sometimes to keep everybody going but uh, I want something from everybody give me what you think and, and usually when I call a timeout I already know what 
the reason we're not playing well at that time what it is. And I, we're, I'm more of a there's, – there's different coaches out there. Some coaches are X's and O coaches. That's what they focus so on. So they're making adjustments all the time. Constantly worrying about X's. They come in in the morning, and they're setting up plays, and, and they're working on different defenses, and we're going to trick them with this. And I'm, I'm totally different. I'm a mentality coach. I worry about the mentality of our team much more than I do the X's and O's. Because if I know the mentality of our team is right, and we are playing extremely hard, we are tough, we are competitive, we are selfless, the X's and O's are going to take care of themselves. We're going to score. We're going to defend. We're going to rebound. And so my whole thing has always been mindset. That's why all these books I read, I don't read X's and O books. And to be honest with you, when I talk to coaches, I do get X's and O's from them, but I, I am more interested in the mindset of their program. What's your culture like? How, you know, how hard do you coach your guys? Are you, do you hold them accountable? How much do you communicate? You know, this day and age, communication is absolutely the key to keeping your team together. So I, I want to know the mentality. That's what I want. So I think a lot of people would wonder from the outside, what is this? What is the preparation? A scout team, you, you, one of the coaches will be assigned to have the scout on a certain team. Yeah. They look at all those trends, and then what we're trying to do is set up our offense and defensive philosophy based on how to best um, alleviate their strengths. Right. Right. And they're doing the same thing to us. <laughs> yeah. So how does that all shake out in the end? What I mean, in the end, yeah. you do your best to do that. You know their trends and their stuff, so you're trying to cheat that a little bit. I don't use that word right, but you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, I know exactly we're, what you mean. We're, yeah. trying to, we're trying to use all our cyber metrics and our brain power right. to cheat what they like to do and take them out of that. They're trying to do the same thing, and in the end, somebody rises up and, and wins the ball game. Yeah, How exactly. does that all play out in your mind? Well, first of all, we start with, like you say, one, one assistant coach is in charge of the scout. Now, when we're getting ready to play a game, I watch film individually on that team, and I'll watch four to five game tapes. And so I make notes of what their strengths are, weaknesses are, what their offense is, what their defense is, all those kind of things. And then after the assistants watched it, and I've watched it, now we come together and we formulate, we put together a plan. Okay, what do you see? This is what I see. This is their strengths. This is their weaknesses. And then we go to the numbers. You know, we're big into Ken Palm. We go through, what do they, what do they call that? The uh, analytics. 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 Uh, we're into that hard. We, you can go on those things and see this team shoots a lot more threes than they do twos. This team shoots more twos than they do threes. This team is turnover prone. This team is not as good inside defensively as they are on the outside. We study that really, really hard. And then that's when the game plan starts to go into place. And then when we get to practice uh, two days before, we have a scout team. And that scout team is simulating the other team. We put them in the offense that they're going to run, the defense that they're going to run, and then our guys will play against that to try to get a feel for what they're going to see. And then, uh, and then we have, obviously, the, all the edit, the film edits that we watch with the guys. Uh, two days before a game, we watch live game tape of the team we're going to play. Just live, no edits. It's because I want them to get a feel of the flow of the game and what they're looking like in the flow. And then the day before the game, we have all the edits of this is what they do offensively, this is their defense, out-of-bounds plays, everything. And then we put it into place. So if it's a, if it's a week of a, a home Big Sky stand, so you got a Thursday and a Saturday game, mm -hmm. you, don't, you always say you don't focus on the Saturday opponent, right? right. You only take right. care of the next one. Exactly. So you spend that few days working on that one. And then after that Thursday game, I've been here. You guys are here pretty late, right? Yeah, yeah we stay late at night on a Thursday after the game. Yeah. Prepare for the next one. And we're getting ready for the next one. And sometimes it's funny because we've, we've, we've seen this happen. When you have a lot of time to prepare – Sometimes you can over-prepare, and you can lock your guys up with too much information. Yeah. If you have like a week, for example, you, it's, you yeah. have a little extra time. Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes we've noticed sometimes when we start preparing on Monday for a Thursday game uh, that it's almost like you got too much time and you want to prepare every little thing that they do, and you can lock your guys up and they play slow. And then we've noticed that when we've got one day to prepare in between games and you don't give them as much, much information, Sometimes you play better because the guys are on edge. They don't know what's coming as much. They play with an edge and an urgency because they don't know exactly what to expect, and you play better. And we've seen that a lot. In fact, it's gotten to the point where I'll tell our guys, and we've done this about three four years ago, 
Um, when we have a long time to prepare, we're going to spend the first two days on ourselves and we're going to cut down our preparation getting ready for the Thursday game because I want them on edge a little bit. I want, and I'll tell our guys, hey, we can't show you everything. We're going to show you a few things, but you better be locked in and ready because you don't know what's coming. And we try to get them prepared that way. And we've seen that happen a lot. Quick turnaround games, sometimes you play better because you're not as locked in or locked up with yeah. too much information. Yeah. You can definitely do that to the team. So you turned 59 in June. Yes, sir. Can you believe that? Wow. <laughs> Still it's young. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's the new 39. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Is that what it absolutely. is? Absolutely, yeah. I well, I tell you what, I feel 39. <laughs> okay, so good. That's, good. A good that's, that's the first question. Yeah. So I guess where do you see yourself in five, ten years? What do you see yourself doing? Hopefully coaching basketball. Marching around the gym, I could answer yeah, absolutely. that Absolutely, yeah. Oh, coaching basketball. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what I'd do my, with myself if I wasn't coaching basketball. I got too much energy, too much passion. I love it. I absolutely love form, putting together teams. I love putting together teams and, and watching them have success. And I love watching players get better. That's one of the things. When you see them come in as a freshman and then you see them leave as a senior, and the improvements they made, because we've really sold out our player development program. I'll put it up against anybody's in the country. I really will. We sell out to it, and we've seen the results of that with a lot of players that have come through our program. And I love seeing them when they walk out of here and they have those opportunities. You know, not just like guys like Damian and Joel and and the guys that have gone on and played professionally, but but guys that have even played lower level in Europe where when they came in here as a freshman, they had no chance to do that, but they got better and better and better. And now they got a chance to be successful. And so I love that part of it. I love seeing guys that aren't gonna play professional basketball, that when they leave our program, uh, we know that we feel good and I feel good that they're well prepared to meet the challenges of life, you know? And I know when they walk out, they're gonna be successful parents they're going to be successful husbands, members of society, coworkers, all those kind of things. And you know, we know we got to win enough games. That's 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 a given. But you know, a lot of it, our main mission, a lot to me anyway, is whoever we bring in our program, prepare them to be successful when they leave here. And so, yeah, and I don't have a timetable. You know, I'll coach until I think they don't like it anymore. And I love every day I wake up. And my wife and I were talking about this. We were in San Diego uh, just the last few days. And she says the one thing that she is a little bit, I wouldn't say jealous of, because she enjoys her work too, but she says, you pop out of bed every day and you can't wait to get to the office. And I'm like, yeah, I can. I just, I love it. And sometimes it's harder when you have a tough game or maybe the year doesn't go, but I still can't wait to, uh, to pop up and get to the office. I love it. You wouldn't want to be an official. I'm taking it. <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't be a very good one because if Coach jumped my butt, I'd be throwing him out of the game a lot sooner than she would yeah, be. I don't have the patience. What do you say to the officials sometimes? I mean, obviously, sometimes you have to get on them. But how do you handle officials? You sit right there next to you. I do. I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. But how it. do you handle yeah, officials? Well, I gotta be a little careful, right? <laughs> I get a little caught up sometimes. I try not to get. Caught up to the point where it affects coaching your team. You got to be careful. If you just some guys do, they do. They get caught up in it. And they just they because they don't know how else to act. We talk about. We yeah. have a word for them. We're not going to use, but. <laughs> yeah, some guys just basically complain on every call. Yeah. yeah. And I try. I really try not to do that, and I don't think I do that. But when one does hit me pretty hard and it affects our team, there's a balance because you got to stick up for your guys, and the guys got to know you got their back. And I'll tell yeah. them that my guys aren't going to complain to the officials. And I tell them that when we start practice. Real players, real confident players and real players, they don't worry about the officials. If they get to go down and they get fouled and it's not called, the best way to show your opponents that you're a real player is you run down to the other end and guard your butt off. And you don't show weakness. But it's my job to protect them. But with some of the things I say, um, <laughs> it's amazing. Sometimes I feel like I don't get a lot of technical fouls. Sometimes I wonder how I don't, but you haven't had one for a while, have you? I, I can't think I can't last, either. I can't remember. I didn't have one this year. I can't remember the last one, uh, and I probably should have uh, this year. But um, but I think if you get caught up in that stuff too much, it affects your team, and then all of a sudden your team starts worrying about the officiating, and and they just they don't play as well. But there's a balance. You got to stick up for your team, yeah. 
and let them know. But I do think if you're a guy that complains on every call, you're, the, the officials stop listening to you. You have no credibility. And eventually you, you get more technicals. And so if I don't, and I've talked, and I'm, I'm good with officials. I've, and these I've guys been, have been around. They know you, mm-hmm, you know, for the most part, mm-hmm, right? They've been around yeah, a while. So. Yeah. And yeah. so hopefully, you know, and I've had a lot of officials say, hey, we just, when you, when you see something wrong, you're going to jump us about it. And, and when you don't, you know, there's, so they, they feel like maybe they're getting a fair shake from me. I hope they do. And so hopefully we get a fair shake from them. One thing before we close out, we're, we've spent a good amount of time here. It's been fun and interesting, and we, we haven't really talked about the new guys that you've got coming in. So, mm. you know, our jobs are a little bit like Groundhog Day, and, and actually that's what we like. Um, it's, it's we reset, we, we take a second to unstring the bow and all that, and then we come back, we reset, and we get our chess pieces on the board, and we shine them up and f- hope we have the right chess pieces. Then we put them in place and we go. Mm. Um, and then we go through the whole season and make, get the most out of them, and we do it all again. Exactly. And that process is what drives those of us that do it every day. Now the fan has a different mentality. They come, they, they buy a ticket. We hope they buy tickets. They come to the game and they want to see the end result. It's a results-driven deal. But the process over and over again, doing it at a high level is what does it. So you've got new guys coming in this year. Mm-hmm. What do you t- Tell us about the, the, the process of finding players, big guys. I mean, do you, we tend to be a guard-driven league, and so we, yeah. we go that route. And who are they, and what do you like about them, and what can we see next year? Yeah, and this is the part I love about it. I love the process. I love the new guys coming in because they kind of reinvigorate you and re-energize you, and you get to form. It's like a piece of clay. You get to form them to fit who we want them to be. But uh, I'm excited about this, really excited. Uh, I, I don't like to overblow recruiting classes because you never know until you get, to, get them there. But... But I do feel like I feel like the class we had last year combined with this class that we got coming in, uh, my staff has told me anyway. I said, well, we'll reserve the right until they get here. But they think it's two of the best classes we've had back-to-back for a long, long time. And not just because of the talent, but because I think they fit us, you know, Weber State type of guys. But uh, we got a guard. And, and you asked if it's a guard-driven league. It is. Mm-hmm. But I always thought if you got good guards and then you got good bigs on top of them, then you're going to have a chance to win the league. And so we don't just concentrate on the guards. We've got to have the bigs too. But uh, we do have uh, – we got a kid from Texas coming in. His name is Corbin Cunningham. He's 6'2", he's 190, very athletic, very strong. He's a point guard that could play a little bit off, but, he's, but he is a point guard. Uh, and he is – he's highly skilled. He knows how to play. He can really shoot the ball. He's got everything that we look for. He's tough. He's competitive. He's got a little dog in him. Um, but he's got the skill level and the shooting ability uh, that I think he can come in and make an impact right away. And he's got he's he's got a college ready body, which we're really looking for, good size and everything. Uh, Judah Jordan, uh, same kind of guy, point guard, uh, not quite as thick, but he's six two, he's one eighty, good skills. He can also shoot the ball, great feel for the game. He can really pass it. Uh, got a lot of passion for the game too. I feel really good about him. We actually took two point guards. Now, they can play together eventually. High level of passion. Really passionate. Really passionate about the game. Uh, it's funny. I was talking to both of them. I'm reading a book, and then I asked them if they read it, this one here I'm looking at. And I said, I'm going to send you the book. And they're all fired up. I can't wait you know, to read it. They have the passion. Uh, we can we, say it's relentless, folks. We can relentless. Say what it yeah, it's relentless. By Tim that's Grove. what we want to be. Exactly. Exactly. And it's a great book. And I'm reading it for the third time right now. But... Um, we got two other guys I can't comment on because they haven't signed their letters of intent. Uh, one's a shooter, one's an athletic foreman that can really shoot as well. Um, so those are the, the, the four guys that we got coming in. And, uh, and then combined with that class we had before, uh, I'm really excited. And Tim about the Fuller sh- in the middle, and he's going to be a big component there too. He so. is. And Timmy's going to be in that freshman class as well. Um, but you mentioned, you know, big guys and. And you've allowed us to go, you've, you've helped us go overseas, and we've done some really good work overseas. Dima Zador uh, is a kid from Ukraine. Uh, what we found out is it's so hard to get big kids in the States anymore because if a big kid is 6'8 or above and can basically run without falling down <laughs> and can catch the ball a little bit, there's not enough of them so everybody gets over-recruited. So we decided, uh, and when I got David Merrick here on staff, that we can go get a high-quality big guy overseas and not fight the competition for him. 
And we feel like we've done that. You know, I think Michael Kozak is a good, solid player for us, and I love the kid, and he's going to be a big part of it. We got him from the check. We got Demas Zador, who's going to be – his future is really, really bright. He's got a chance to be a, a special guy for us. We got him from the Ukraine. Um, Donnie Kupsis is from Lithuania. Now, a couple of these kids were in the States at prep schools or whatever. Um, and so we got him, and then uh, the – well, I can't mention the yeah. kid that we just signed, but um, but it's been it's been really good for us. We combine getting certain guards. We can get good enough guards in the states, and then we go overseas to get the quality big guys. And it's been a good good mix. It's good yeah. mix for us. Yeah. All right, as we wrap it up, a couple of rapid fire questions. You mentioned books. Some favorite books you like? Relentless by Tim Grover. Uh, it's like I said, I'm reading it right now. Uh, you all the John Gordon books. Uh, you went in the locker room first by John Gordon. Uh, training camp, I've got them in my bag right now. On your uh, desk, you have quite a collection so from sports books to others. Damien's favorites, right? Training, training camp. camp is the one we gave him at a young age, and he swallowed it up, and he lives by it, I think, to this day. Was Mind Gem one of those? Mind, Mind Gem? Gem? Yeah. Mindset. Mindset. Mindset was one of them, which is actually one I got right here. Uh, I got that one. Uh, I got Grit. Yeah, grit. Uh, grit is a really good book. Uh, but all the John Gordons. Went in the locker room first, training camp, the energy bus, uh, the no complaining rule. Uh, John Gordon is, is terrific as far as the kind of books that, that help me. So you read a lot of these and, and, yeah. and use these things from them. I do. Okay. And probably my Bible has always been The Legacy Builder. And that one was by Rod Olson. And that's the one I read before every season. Uh, it's all about culture and, and all those kind of things. So, yeah, I love okay. to read. Uh, it doesn't happen by accident. Yeah. Well, and he gives me books too. At times we we share books quite a bit. We do. You know, I'm reading. He gave me Relentless today. I'll be starting that tonight. Good. Favorite place to fly fish. Favorite place. Probably the Madison, uh, outside of Ennis, and in between. Uh, where's it? What's it? Uh, God, there's a stretch there between. Is it Quake oh, Lake? Yeah. Quake Lake. Not Quake Lake. Um, a couple little towns. I can right drive now. to it. Yeah. I can drive so people it. may not know, you're a big fly fisher. You love it. I love, I love, love the fly it. fish. Right before you come fish. back in an island park, that little road. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah. That's it. You I've love hit that. that a couple times. I've only been there a couple times, but I've nailed them every time I've gone there. <laughs> and I've got some people, in fact, uh, I think Jay goes up there every year. Uh, there's some boosters yeah. up there that yeah. want me to come yeah. up. I'm going to get up there this summer and hit the fly fish. Love the fly fish. Maybe with Jay, too. Yeah, I love the fly fish. It's, fly fish and golf. And golf. Which one do you like more? If I had my druthers, if I wasn't a basketball coach, I'd like to be a fly fishing guide. That would be my ultimate job. But uh, probably a little bit fly fishing, but golf is, is close. But my ADD kicks in, and I, I pull out of the water way too early, and then I feel that, and then go. I just can't. And every time they're like, no, just be patient. No patience. Fly coming past me. You gotta have just, You gotta have the right timing. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta have, have, have the touch. right glasses. I've never been it. accused of having touch. <laughs> if you got the right glasses, you can see him coming up to take the fly. That's when you get good. That's when you get really good. Yeah. Well, maybe that's my problem. But also, my wife has got me into road biking mm. last summer, and so I've become a little bit of a road biker too. So you wife, gotta have something though. I you started do. mountain biking last year with my son. Yeah, you told me with Seth. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You gotta have something. Golf. Do these things help you relax though a little bit? They do. They do. You know, one thing I learned a long time ago. One thing when I started, got my first head coaching job here. Uh, after about three or four years of thinking I had to do everything in the program, scheduling, recruiting, coaching, almost do everything. I know I became a lot better coach when I started to give a lot more responsibility to my assistants and trust them because I have a great staff. Um, that's made me a lot better coach. And then the other thing is when I started to make more time for my family because you can get totally engrossed. Jerry, it can happen to you in your job. You can get totally engrossed and you can not be as good a, a, fam a family member, a husband and a father. And my wife, at, there was a certain point I think it was four or five years in here when she grabbed me and said, this is not working. This is not where I know how whatever focused you are on your job, but you need to be better here. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And, and I, 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 I felt awful. And, uh, 
So now, and now I purposely make a lot more time for my family, my kids, my wife, and I become a lot better coach when I became a better husband, father, family man. And it's it's just it keeps everything in perspective more. You gotta have that balance. You gotta have the balance. Yeah. You gotta keep perspective on what's really important because as much as I love our team and as much as I love coaching and the passion I have for it, uh, my life is all about my family. It's about my family. It just leads to short-term thinking and cutting corners. And when you start doing that in your life in all aspects, whether it's work or personal life, then you're gonna make errors and and you can't sustain. Success is not sustained on short-term thinking. Exactly, exactly. And so, and our family and the, the principles that kind of guide your core values are what keep you kind of focused on. We can we can get through these. Otherwise, you're making short short term uh, cheats and cuts. Exactly. To try to get success, and that's and when the disaster hits. Yeah. yeah. And and like you said right there, my my wife is an absolute angel, as yours is too. <laughs> and uh, if anything, we, we married well. We did. We, we did. We were good recruiters. We were, smart we're guys. good recruiters. Um, but especially when you're going through a year like this year that was extremely frustrating and all that kind of stuff, and and for her to, to deal with, with me through this year, I mean, she was a godsend for me. She kept me sane and kept me going and helped me keep me going anyway. They kick you in the, right the tail and they can love you, and, and usually it's more kick you in the tail. Yeah, yeah, um, it was a lot of that because my wife will kick you in the yeah. tail. Yeah. Maybe a hard question to answer, but a couple memorable wins that stand out for you, two or three memorable wins in your time here? Most memorable? Um, uh, like I said, you kind of caught me off guard with that one. But you know which one I really enjoyed was when we went to Northern Iowa uh, a few years ago in the whatever CIT, CIT mm -hmm. tournament. Yeah. And we the, the travel was just a total disaster. And then we had to get there and the guys, you know, whatever. And we went over there and our guys performed at a really high level. We beat a really good Northern Iowa team. Um, on their court, uh, and Ben Jacobson's a good friend of mine, and, and uh, that was that was one that kind of sticks out a little bit at me. At me, um, maybe the one at Dayton, the Dayton one, which was, was the same year. Was the yeah, one. the same, same year, year. We go to Dayton and uh, guarantee game. They gave us, I think, ninety thousand yeah. to go over there. They and don't then, lose a lot there, and they don't lose. And we won that game and got to bring home a check. That's that's a fun game. Um, I felt like. Um, a few years ago, the North Dakota game in the tournament championship, we had been, we'd, we'd had trouble in the tournament finishing off, you know, and we changed our approach uh, going into that, that tournament where I wanted to ease the pressure on our guys. And, and I didn't want them to play tight. I wanted to play relaxed. And uh, we had the tournament here. We'd won the league. And I thought our guys performed at a really high level and played the way I wanted them to play, loose and free and enjoy the game, and they did. And then, uh, and the, the, so that one stuck out. Um, There's a couple, you know, in-state games. We beat Utah State up at their place a few years ago, you know. Actually, with the kind of year we had this year, I probably BYU. should. BYU. BYU, you know, and that was a fun win for us, too. So there's there's been a few, you know. That it's was funny. a magical night, too, because um, yeah. we'd had, you know, the – the holdover from the football. The same day of the playoff win, yeah. yeah. And, and then we, that, that was a, to me, that was departmentally maybe as big a week as, as you, you could have with your, your two yeah. programs. Yeah that, that was, yeah, that was really fun. You know, Jay won that game and they played great and then we were able to come back and beat them. That was a, that was a great win. Yeah. And so, but uh, yeah, it's funny as a coach, you seem to remember the other the losses. Yeah, yeah, we won't. We won't have to go get there. We don't have to yeah, go there. Really quick, yeah. But, uh, yeah you mentioned good times. one the before. The first year yeah. in Reno. Uh, yeah. Going to the NCAA tournament. Is that the first year? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, Beat Montana in the, in the tournament, and then, that, the but Montana the North Dakota game. win the game before when Jeremy Sutherland went off in that game in the semifinals. Exactly. That was impressive. You know what? That's a game that yeah. I do look back on a lot. I mean, that, that, big that tough sucker, Jeremy, that. Hit some huge shots and and willed us to that game was was big was really big and so you forget about some of those that lead up to the big game you know which, yeah. but there's been quite a few. You get asked about Damien all the time, but how much is it just the guy's just unbelievable what he is and what he's done. Right? It's 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 off the charts. It really is, and and I just keep going back to you know he's having his best season of his career, which he's coming off a first team All NBA year. <laughs> 
And when he was here this summer, um, and I kind of always jolt him a little bit, you know, I says, but how are you going to top what you did this year? And I knew the answer. He says, oh, I'm going to be a lot better this year because I'm going to work harder than anybody else in the league and I'm going to, I'm going to do this and this and this. And, but it's, it's, it's a little bit mind-boggling, you know, to see where he's at right now and what he's, he's done. He's become a real pro. He was always our, kind of our pro, but to see what he's done and how he uh, approaches his whole thing, yep. he's a real pro. He is, he's the epitome of what a professional basketball player should be uh, on the court, off the court, how you handle yourself. You know, he's got into the, the rapping stuff, but the positive messages that he puts out there, um, you know, I always go back to, he's one hell of a player and I know that, but the thing I'm most proud of him, uh, and I tell him this all the time, you know, I texted him just a little while ago about, I'm, the thing I'm most proud of is the kind of person he is. Uh, he is an off the charts, incredibly pr uh, great person that, that cares about people, he's incredibly loyal, and, uh, and that's the thing that, that just blows me away every time you know, he comes back and he's around us and, and I see that because that's not the case with you know, a lot of those guys that reach that kind of level. They become selfish, they become more, what's it about me, me, me? It's not about him, and he's so humble, just incredibly humble and incredibly hungry with all the success he has. His hunger is just, he's got an insatiable appetite. And I think that's why we get along. You know, I've got that addiction to, to winning. He's got an addiction to getting better, and that's, that's what he has. And couldn't be more proud of him and absolutely love him to death. Well, Coach, 13 years in the books, and you, I can tell you you're excited for number 14. Yeah, I really Absolutely. am. I can't wait to get going. I, I just can't wait, you know. And it's going to be here soon enough, but I wish it was tomorrow. Yeah. I really do. You've had opportunities to, to leave. To Your name's been thrown around before, but what is it that keeps you here? What is it that Weaver State that drives you to stay here? I'm happy. I'm really happy here. And uh, when you got guys, you know, your administration like Jerry and – Norm and, and, you know, Ann Milner to Chuck to Brad now. I mean, um, it's I've had a lot of buddies that have made the move from mid-major to high-major that are constantly saying, why why have you not done this and why have you not done that? And my answer is always the same because I'm really, really happy here. I'm happy. I love the kids I get to coach. Uh, I love the, the, the family atmosphere that we have at Weber State that, that Jerry's created here. Uh, the culture. I'm a blue collar guy. I think, you know, I love the community. I think it's a blue collar community, and I love the people, the the friends and relationships that I've that I've made throughout the community while I've been here. And so, why mess with happiness? I just I, I never want to mess with it. And I've never had that goal of having to be a high major coach because a lot of times when you go to the high major level, and my buddies have attested to it, you almost got to sacrifice your integrity and your values because it's all about what does it take to get the, the high-level players? And sometimes you got to get in the weeds. Sometimes you got can't do things that might not be the most ethical. And you know, you you go you go on that gray line sometimes of is this the right thing to do or to try to keep your job going? And I I I couldn't sleep at night if I have to sacrifice some of those values, integrity, character that I, that I hope I have. Um, I I just can't go that road. And I'm really happy here, and this is our home. This is our home, and I, we love it here. I mean, that, I think that's why uh, Randy has been successful. I mean, he, he's committed to the integrity part of this business, and we're living in a time as we read the newspaper every day with FBI wiretaps and everything else. That's why I really respect guys like Mark Few that's close to Randy that have the courage to come out and just say, we don't have any place for the cheaters in this business. He just mm -hmm. came right out. I loved it. At Christmas time. I know you talked to him about it. Loved and, him. and he could do it. He was at the time he was number one in the country. But we surround ourselves with people like that that have a goal to do it the right way for the right reasons. And you know, the money and all that gets involved in this in this stuff and contained what it's all about. But people are still watching it. People are still committed to it. There's something about amateur. I know I use that word, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the right light. But we're different than the pros, and that's what makes it fun. And in the end. You know, we're committed to that. And Randy's been here for 13 years, and I could, until he doesn't want to do it anymore and, and runs out of the energy and wants to spend more time on the river, then that's what we're going to do here. 
Well, I appreciate it, but that's not going to be for a long time for me. I yeah. hope, well, I, I it'll never be for me because <laughs> yeah. I can't set a hook. But, yeah. but uh, oh, we got other things we do to, you know, Absolutely. get us there. But that's, Absolutely. that's the way we roll. That's the way it's been, and that's the way it's going to be. I love how you've embraced the history at Weber State, too. And, you know, Coach Mono was here, Phil Johnson, all those guys have been here. You're close, close with Coach Cravens. And uh, that's an important part of, of Weber State, no question, right? Well, you just look at the tradition. It's intimidating. When I got the job here, and I looked back at the coaches, and I tried to make contact with all the ex-coaches or former coaches uh, when I got the job here, just not just because I wanted to learn from them. What, 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 what do I need to do to be successful here? And every one of them, from Joe to obviously the late Coach Beglin, who I loved to death, um, to uh, you know Coach Modaf, Coach Johnson. I mean, uh, everybody. Um, I made contact with everybody, and but the tradition of of uh, success and the coaches coaches that we've had in this program are just it's like I said it's almost a little bit intimidating but for me it's been great because I've got to know them and it's helped me and I need all the help I can get and, and they've given me advice along the way and it really helped me and guided me and given me things that I can obviously use to get better along those lines August 24th we're planning another alumni game Bring in the former players and coaches. We are. I'm excited about that. We were just talking about it this morning. And, uh, you know, thank God Damien was the one that kind of got it back on track. And uh, that just shows you, you know, his loyalty. And, and Damien's embraced the, the history of Weber State as well. And he's got an old soul that way. But, but yeah, we're really, really excited about that. It's going to be a fun time. We get hopefully get as many of the, the, the past coaches as well as the players here. You know, hopefully we can get Coach Mata here to coach the team and Coach Johnson and and Coach Cravens and, and everybody and, uh, and, and get these guys back together again. And I think that's going to be a, a great night. And we're going to get our players involved. Uh, I always try to teach our players or educate our players on the history of Weber State and take great pride in wearing that uniform. And you're not just wearing it for yourself. You're wearing it for all these great players and pro, uh, teams and the administration and everybody and take great pride in it. So. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to our players getting to know these these guys that were terrific, terrific players and part of history. Thanks, Coach. Yeah, thanks for having me. This can't was a wait blast. for the new year. This was a blast. Yeah, I can't wait either. I wish it was tomorrow. Let's go. All right, Let's Coach go. Coach Randy Ray on the Cattails Podcast. We'll be back with another one soon. Thanks for your time and go Wildcats.